evening, Patriots. And it is Monday, September 26th at 11 p.m. in the Pacific time, and that's 2 a.m. on Eastern time. So a little bit unusual time to be running a Fishers of Men, but I didn't want to not do one today. I got into the hotel quite a bit later than expected. I had some pretty interesting visits today along the way up. So as it was delayed, it's no issue, and here we are. And so for those that aren't here tonight, which I think it's like our smallest live audience ever, but that's pretty cool. It'll be a nice intimate discussion tonight. Uh, it'll Anyway, there will be up tomorrow. People can watch it. Hey, before we begin, uh, don't stop seeking the greatest pillow ever. And you're going to get that through my pillow. I've been sleeping in Marriott's all over the country. And I'm going to be honest, they have some nice beds and nice pillows. I still think my pillows, pillows are the best ever. And I'm anxious to get home to crash on those. My pillow pillows are awesome. The my pillow classic, and they're always on sale with great prices and great discounts. All you have to use is your Bards code B A R D S for your promo code. And while you're there, make sure and check out the Giza cotton sheets, which are absolutely my super favorite. They have two sheets: the Parkell sheets and the Giza cotton. I prefer the Giza cotton sheets. So when you take a Giza cotton sheet with a my pillow, and if you're really going to go all out and do like a my pillow mattress, like you're in the money, you're going to sleep forever. Be totally restored and refreshed. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. And then use your promo code Bards. Take advantage of all the great savings that are there. They've also got a great sale right now on a three-piece towel set. I think it's 1988 or something. Check that out too. Really good stuff. And, of course, you know that every dollar you spend over there goes to fighting for liberty in this nation. So it's worth every bit of it. The New York Times is trying to write another smear piece on Mike, Mike Lindell, he, I understood the other day they tried to interview him, and then the next day he told him not to come back because he was so fed up with him. And so they've been trying to poke around and disparage those that are promoting his product. So I'll disparage New York Times. They're a rag, and they're a piece of junk. And if you work for the New York Times, you should be embarrassed. And so the way to resolve that is to repent and buy a my pillow and sleep on it and know that Jesus is going to sink into your brain to make you realize how wrong you are. So anyway, for all your all your friends and relatives, especially your liberal ones, get my pillows for Christmas and my sheets and the whole shebang and they'll love it. You don't even have to tell them what it is. And then later once they tell you, man, that sheet was the greatest, those pillows were the greatest, you're like, "Oh, that was Mike Lindell stuff. He's a conservative American loving patriot." and watch their head explode. It'll be great. So it's a good gift. Trust me. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Promo code Bards. All right. Patriots, I've had another really amazing day. And had a breakfast this morning with Brad Cummings, who if you listen to the Bards FM show tonight, that was the interview that we did actually last week. And so I had breakfast this morning with Brad and talked about a lot of great things. He's a very dear friend, and in many ways, uh, he also fills that role of mentor in Scripture for me, which is great. I love Brad's passion for Jesus, and uh, he, we share that in so many ways, and he's managed to, just working with Brad has really sparked a deeper and a more real relationship with Christ than I ever thought possible. You know, it's it's very simple in uh 
with Jesus. As Jesus said, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's John 14, 6. I don't, I don't think there's, I think that sums up everything, frankly. We get into all these fights and scriptural fights and doctrinal fights, but in the end, John 14, 6 is the bottom line on all of this. And it really is the, the pure relationship that we're seeking to just love Jesus and to walk with Jesus. You know, I've had such an amazing experience this whole trip between Jesus and conversations with Father, and I've worked very hard at building that relationship. It's alive, it's well, it's, it's active, it's real. Like I said last night, be that, be that person that has the invisible little friend in your seat next to you as you're driving along the road and people think you're crazy, but know that that invisible little friend is none other than the King Almighty Jesus. And as you talk to him, you're going to have some amazing conversations. I think we have to, too. I mean, it's because if we're going to give faith and we're going to trust in Father, it's not like it's a one-way ticket. We have this kind of strange perception of God, in my opinion. And it is kind of like an old stuffy man who uses... Old Spice and and has like a cigar smell to his shirt and walks around with a cane and beats you and is stern and is always giving you a, an evil eye. And that's not God. I'm just going to tell you, if you've had that image of him and are fearful of him, that's not the father. Our father is a loving, passionate father that has a great sense of humor if you give him a chance, he he's, he's going to be there for you. He's going to raise you up. He's going to rebuke you at times. But if all we always seek rebuke, I don't, I will tell you, I don't think we build a relationship with him. In fact, I think we start to manufacture a lot of that. There's no question we, we sin. We talk about this all the time. But I mean, how many times have you, and I would encourage you to do this, is just go to Father and say, Father, reveal to my heart the sins that I've done so that I can repent clearly with a heart and rise up and be closer to you. And you'll be amazed, seriously. I mean, he'll be revealed. How many times do you, do you just go to Father and say, Father, I want to know you more. I want to trust you more. I want to seek you more. Show me how. Ask him. What is to, what's to be lost? You know, it's, I think that's the whole problem is we don't, we just don't have that direct and powerful loving relationship and we don't trust in it. We, we're, we're timid, we're apprehensive and I, I'm, I'm not that way. I mean, I would say that you have to, to know me is just for me to say that I'm always a little bit cautious at the front and then I'm like a bull going through a china shop. I'll just go all for it. And if I knock everything off the shelf, big deal. I'll just try it again. I mean, that's kind of me, and it's, and and Father God knows that. Trust me. I, I swear, He's rolling His eyes half the time. He's like, "Oh, here we go again. You're going to go cautious, and then you're just going to go like put it in high gear and charge through the china shop, and you're just going to take in everything." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'll take in everything." And I think that's where I would encourage 
to be bold than to be timid. And I think that's a big part of us living in and through him. It's, it's really quite amazing. Fear is obviously one of the big ones that we're dealing with these days. Um, this piece was put up. I'm going to play. It's two minutes and 55 seconds. This piece was put up before the 24th, which is that supposed big day of the world restarting and the Jubilee and all this stuff. It's two minutes, 55 seconds. It's a good piece and good perspective. So you hear these things from me, but it's always good to hear from somebody else. Take a listen. All right, let's talk about it. September 24th, 2022. I wasn't going to make a video because it's not as important to me as it seems to be to a lot of other people on here. I just want to say, no matter what happens, I've made a list of things that I've heard on TikTok from big accounts with thousands of comments on each one. The solar flare, the alien invasion, the blackout, the financial collapse, foreign troops on our soil, government attacking its citizens. I mean, oh my God. If you have a relationship with God, if you have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you love Jesus with all your heart, soul, body, and mind, you don't have anything to worry about. And it's a great feeling. Um, the Bible tells us the only thing we should fear is God himself. And that's true. And if you really truly understand what that means, fearing God himself means you fear nothing else. Because you know that everything that is happening and is going to happen is... It's in God's hands, right? He's in control. If you have a relationship with Christ, you know this to be true. I believe that fully with my heart that God is involved in every single thing that is happening in this world right now and has been since the beginning. So no matter what happens, as long as you have a relationship with God, you have nothing to worry about. If it's the rapture, as a lot of people are saying, a lot of Christians, I myself am one, but there's a lot of Christians who are saying the rapture is here. God is coming on this day. Do I have to break out the Bible and show you the verse that says no one will know the day or the hour? Because I see a lot of Christians also talking about that, but then, but, they go into the but. The but is the sin. They read something out of a Bible and then they turn it into their own understanding. No, no one will know the day or the hour. You can go on and keep reading past that. I have, I've read the entire Bible. I've studied it. We won't know. Signs are here, sure they are. Prophecies are becoming true, okay. That doesn't mean it's coming tomorrow. That could mean it's coming in 300 years. None of us know. If you don't have a relationship with God, I would advise you to have one now, not because of tomorrow. I don't even care about September 24th, just because it is. it will benefit you in life and the afterlife if you do have a relationship with Christ. You know, I felt no fear about this and it kills me to see all these people on TikTok living in fear right now. They're so scared. What do you think this is all about? This is fear. This is controlling by fear. You remember COVID? You remember the fear that was induced from that? The control that they gained from that? Causing people to do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, while all the high officials still did it, right? Do as we say, not as we do. Well, now they're going to do it with this. Come on, people. How many times can they pull the wool over your eyes and you're just going to keep reacting to it? And that is the question, right? You know, if you have an opportunity ever to do a, a, what I would just did, which is a kind of a, a God journey, I really encourage you to do it. And, and here's kind of where I'm going with this. 
you go to places and you don't know what's going to be there waiting for you. And you could let those anxieties get to you. You don't really know your route, even though you kind of have a route. Because you know God's going to change it. So you don't really know how to plan or how to tell people when you're going to be there. But you know what's amazing is all those things worked perfectly. Because as I went about this in the God way, and my trust was in God, everybody else just looked forward to whenever I arrived. And there's a really, really some great lessons in all of this, of just in trust, and how we as a people, I think natively and instinctively migrate towards that sort of life. But it's been the process of the church the early church in particular that started formulating the idea of time and rigid schedules. And in fact, it was the church that established the clock as a way to regulate the day. And then that was led on by industrialists that used it to regulate your work day. We've lost so much touch with the natural cycles and we've become so anticipatory to what's next because we're not in the flow of a world connected with through father. You know, I, I had this, I shared this the other day, but it just, I kept reflecting on it all day long today of this meeting with the Navajo. And I, and if you haven't heard that story, that's, I shared that Friday night on fishers of men. And so that meeting itself was so, perfectly father all the way through and then we get to Saturday and he he tells me like hang on and I told this a bit last night and hang on so I do go and I go for a bit to the what was and what was going on on Saturday was an event I didn't know about which was a celebration of Native Americans through Jesus there in Gallup New Mexico so I did go there and I Stayed there for a bit. And I knew when I arrived that I wasn't to stay there that long. And why? Because I, I could feel it. It's, it was very clear. But what was really awesome, and I, I, I think I told this last night, was that Father had me stand outside the tent where the revival was going on. Not to go in, just to stand outside. And so I did. I stood there. And that's as I'm listening to this very unique revival. It has a very native feel to it. They're doing some of their own chants as they're, there's just some talking and speaking in tongues, which I know really irritates some people. And I just, it doesn't really get to me at all because I just see that as an expression of how, of people's love in Jesus. And I'm just not going to, I just don't get into it the way others do. I mean, when I say like judging it, it's like, whatever, it's not my thing, but who knows, maybe father will lead me to do it. I have no idea. And so as I sit there and I'm listening to this with some prayers going on and it's, it's not really my format of how I worship, but that's irrelevant. I get this mess. I mean, it's literally as Jesus is right there and he's like, take a look at this. What do you see? And he says, this is the, this is the beauty of the, of the body of, of Christ. This is the, the living in the body where they are expressing their love for father in a very personal and intimate way. And it really struck me because I think that we forget that not everything is like a box and everything has to be a certain way. 
we try to tell ourselves that because of doctrine. And I understand doctrine, but I also think that doctrine becomes so rigid, it's stifling the process of us loving and expressing our love from Jesus. We have to be very careful there because ultimately that's it. It's, it's Christ is the way. He, it is only through him to the Father. I get that, and it's how I live. But through Christ as we live, it's like I've said recently, when we stand before Father, the question is going to be literally like, let me see your heart, my son. Let me see the reflection of my son in your heart, and let me see how you lived through that in your life and how you brought that life into being through Jesus. It's not a complicated concept, but it is a committed process to seeking that beauty and that love in Jesus. And I know that this is going to run against a lot of people that are heavy in doctrine, and I'm just going to say, okay, so we can agree to disagree, and I'll tell you what, I'm still going to see you in heaven, and I'm not going to get excoriated because I didn't follow the rigid box of doctrine. I guarantee it. Man, I'll, I'll wager lifetimes on it because I know one thing I do have, and it's a passion to seek the love of Jesus, and I'm going to seek him and pursue him, and I'm going to do everything I can to live through him and to him to the Father. And I have that in my heart, and it's only getting bolder and bigger every day. It's so incredibly powerful that it's even hard to articulate, which is exactly as it should be, because those sorts of things should be beyond words. And it's so satisfying when we're pursuing that and just to see how life comes together and how perfect God weaves a tapestry. This whole trip, in retrospect, is a perfect map. Going forward, it was unknown. And I didn't know, but I trusted. And here we are. We also have to be careful about what we put around us. And I mean that because we can be lugged down by a lot of very heavy things Listen to this piece by an army chaplain. I think there's got some, I, I liked it. It had some good meat in it. Take a listen. You are not going to be able to take everybody with you. Everybody cannot go where you're going. So you need to leave the fearful, the slothful, the excuse makers, the, the defeated. You need to leave them behind. You need to lighten your load. Baby, you got too many people weighing you down. They can't go where you want to go. I know you love them. I know they family. I know they friends. I know they've been down for a long time. But baby, sometimes you got to shift. They cannot go where you are going because their mindset is not where you at. They are right with the mediocre. They are right with, with just enough and God has put something down inside of you to, to, to crave more. So you got to lighten your load, baby. Drop the sandbags so you can have lift. God bless. You know, I, I like that a lot. And it's because we too often try to always lift others up. And that's good to a degree. But when they start to pull us down, we're, we're losing the battle. And it's where we should not be. You know, in walking with Jesus... We should be the light. We should be that that draws people in like a moth to a flame. We should be the inspiration. But we cannot, as, you, as we say in that parable, not the Christian parable, but just as a statement in parables, is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. 
It's a very profound, profound moment and reflection because we people have to choose Jesus. But here's the problem. Many don't even know what that looks like and don't understand what it means. So as we live through that life in Christ and we're embracing it and we're living our works in through our faith, we become the demonstration, we become the inspiration, and we become a direction of how they find the way to him and through him. And that's where we have the greatest contribution, I think, is because we're not proselytizing, we're just showing, we're demonstrating. And it is through action and love that we do this, that we literally draw many more to Christ by the way we live, because people seek that. I can tell you in this entire trip, it, it has really been profound. Here's, here's an example today of just how God works. Officially, by the delivery of Bibles, my mission was complete on Saturday night. Sunday was a great day. And I talked about that last night. So this morning I get up and I'm like, okay, I've got three days left. Father, what do you have in mind for me? Because I know, I know this isn't over yet. So let's see where this takes us. So I had to drive about an hour and a half where Brad was. Brad Cummings, and had breakfast with his son. Great young man, very talented. Um, has worked on the media side for Trump's team. Really, really bright. And he's a, he's a father, and it's just really wonderful. So we had a great meeting. And while there, Brad says, you know, it's a good thing, because I, I arrived about 45 minutes late, just by virtue of getting the podcast ready this morning, and I, you know, made, it just is the way it was. So he says, you know, it's really neat how you arrived late and I was able to set up a meeting with, with Robert. Now, Robert is a, a person you don't know. I've met him once before by Zoom. He is um, he's just a passionate, passionate man for Jesus. And he's he, as a he stewards what God gives him extremely well, and he stewards what he, God gives him for the benefit of the kingdom. He's just that type of a person. Not a pastor, just passionate in the pursuit of Christ. And so I met Robert, and I, didn't really, I honestly didn't even know where I was going. It was like, okay, you're going to go to the church. So I'm like, okay. So I drove, it was a bit of a time, a bit of a ways, about two hours, and I drove over to see them. And... They were on the outside of Phoenix, and I, Robert met me outside, and, and there meeting me as well was a pastor, an associated pastor, and another pastor, so three, four people in all. And it was just amazing, because they're just like, we just want to hear your story. And Robert knew a little bit about me, and he's been talking to Brad. We'd already met, like I said, on Zoom before, and the other three didn't know anything about me. This is where you know Father's working, because... This story took like an hour to tell, roughly. And I'm talking pretty fast, and I'm telling the details. And I keep checking in because I'm kind of dominating the conversation. And I'm like, are you good? They're like, no, no, let's hear the whole thing. Keep going. And to watch how Father works with us when we tell a story that is his, that we have walked through, you see the power of God work in other people because it inspires. It sparks excitement. It sparks energy. And when I, I watched this almost like a third person watching myself. And it was just amazing to witness it that way because it's like, wow, Father, you led me on a, a journey that now has a story that you're allowing me to tell. And it's that journey and it's those 
great connections that's now inspiring some great people, some great men here in Jesus to inspire them to even go further. I love that. And that's and I end up with three people who I've never met, actually four. And literally, it was like we knew each other. It's like every time this happens, it's just like as we settle in and we start talking, we realize that we're all brothers in Christ, all part of the single body. And this is what Father is doing so much with. And it's as if we know each other, which in a sense we probably do. And not in the way we think, but we do because we're connected through Jesus. And Father's bringing us together. And it's an it's eclectic group, but that's how things work, right? But I'm really, I, I think what I've left with in this whole thing is a real emphasis on, and this is what Brad and I were talking about today, and it's really putting emphasis on reshaping how we look at the church and how we look at ministry. And part of that is this project that we've been talking about, which we're going to, we're really ramping up. I'm getting things together to ramp up this next year, which is Bards Rangers program and this ministry facility over on this property up in Oregon. Because it really is about getting skills in hand to teach youth and adults alike, but to really pursue the passion of Christ through our, our works and, and faith. And then to be part of a community where you're contributing in great ways in those principles of areas that are literally more traditional. So whether it's butchery or blacksmithing or you know, hunting or whatever that is, it's the idea that we're involved in our communities in real and tangible ways. And I, I see that as so important because we've, we've really kind of veered away in my opinion, and I, Brad shares this, these pastors today shared this, we veered away from a, a real strong faith, especially in men. I mean, it's literally like we need to make Jesus great again to where it's people don't seek to be a wealthy businessman, but they seek to be able to say that I walk with Jesus I pursue Christ in my life. That, that has to be cool again. Because that's where real strength in manual, 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 what am I trying to say? Where real strength in the male comes from is being strong and pursuing Jesus in such a powerful way to understand what truly meek is. And again, these words are so poorly translated in English. Meek, it's, we translate it to like some kids in skinny jeans, and that's not at all what it is. Because meek is the, is the lion that lives within us that's so strong and so powerful that it doesn't need to show its claws or its fangs. Instead, it can choose the humble path because you know how powerful you truly are. So like a martial artist works to such a degree in black belts and, and different ranks in black belts so that you never have to use your skill. I don't know if you realize that or not, but that's the pursuit in the martial art. You become so dominant in the art that you ultimately, unless in an extreme situation, never have to use it because you have such command presence in the moment that you can diffuse the problem 
because of the mastery of the art that you've done. That's really the place of meek and how Jesus was. He was God's son. What did he have to worry about with these petty little humans? And he didn't need to wield a sword of steel. That was Peter. Instead, he was God's son. And as he could bring down legions or he could choose to stand there. And his role was to be sacrificed. I want to... I want to throw this in tonight because I'm going to talk more about it again tomorrow night, I think, but this is really important. We, we talk about Jesus as being sacrificed and it presents this persona that somehow, you know, he, and he and does this a lot, that Jesus didn't stand up and fight the Romans. Instead, he was basically beaten down by them and then ultimately the sacrifice set people free. I want to, really challenge you on this narrative. I want you to rethink about this a little bit. We know that Jesus was an unbelievably powerful man. He was a carpenter, very strong. As I've said many times before, if you've not worked with acacia and worked with myrtle wood and other hardwoods like that, you have no idea the strength it takes to hew them and to cut them into woodwork pieces And we have a pretty good idea that because of the woods of the era, that when he flipped that table, that was a profound, it was a heavy table. And so it takes a strong man to do that. But here's where it's really interesting. Jesus didn't call legions of people to come down. In fact, he stayed the hand. Once Peter used the sword, he stayed it and then healed the ear but 500 servants were knocked down at a word. So we know his power. And yet we look at this and we're like, well, the Romans took him in, they betrayed him, they beat him. And this is what we miss. Jesus brought down Rome. Now think about this a minute. Because once he was sacrificed, Rome fell. And over the next several hundred years, Rome broke up into pieces and it fell so hard that the only way that Rome could reform itself was to call itself the Roman Catholic Church and put its bank in the church walls and then use Christianity as a mockery, which is Satan's trick, to give itself legitimacy. Jesus ripped the rug out of Rome so hard and tore it down so deeply that it ended up being the Catholic church that had to pretend to love Jesus, but replace it with Mary because it knew. And that's why, in my opinion, you see Jesus pinned on the cross in the Roman Catholic church because they're still spiting from that. He destroyed Rome. You want to find Rome today? It's in the Vatican. So it's just something to really think about because the power of the one, what Jesus present, brings to us, is profound. He shook the world. In the known world, he tore down the greatest empire. So, that is all part of who we are. And through that sacrifice, which we, the debt was paid, and now we are in that place to occupy the land and to continue to pursue evil until his return when the kingdom will be remade. 
understanding these histories is really important. Just like I've said before, that when you really appreciate what flipping the table did, and I know you've heard me say this before, but I'm, just, I'm going to repeat it just for the sense of tonight. I mean, as he flipped the table of that one man, we just see that as like he flips a table, like a fit of rage. No, he destroyed the household of that family. He stained it forever. And this is because we don't understand old ways. In the old ways, they would live in the same house for generations. It might, in Afghanistan, I found families that had passed on the same household for 500 years. That's the old world. So you can imagine what happens if a, something like this happens. So here, here's the example. It's, this is a real example, and we're going to relate it back to Christ. In, a, in southern Afghanistan, we would go in and do night raids to get out of Taliban out of the village. And we, Taliban was a known problem for the village, and yet we would take him out, and the villagers would get totally irate and pissed off that we came into their village. And it became this strange thing. It's like, what is going on? So I spent about a month and a half on this problem. I interviewed and interviewed and pursued among, we were doing a multiple, several multiple projects at once, but this was all part of this bigger project of understanding the cultural dynamics in Afghanistan. And one day I'm talking to an elder and, I, and he has my trust and I have his and I ask a question that, to understand Southern Afghanistan, you would never ask this unless you had somebody's trust. And I, I was even kind of shocked myself that I was like, wow, you just literally literally asked that question, Scott. Okay, let's see what happens. And what I asked him was, as he was talking, something struck me and I said, excuse me, but how do you and your wife sleep? And he says, we sleep naked. I said, is that you or is it all postions? And he looks at me kind of like I've got a zit on my forehead or something. Like, and it was like the dumbest, like he looks at me like that's the dumbest question you could ever ask. And the reason that he's looking at me like this is, is at the time we've now been in Afghanistan for nine years. And there's an expectation that we'll know some of these cultural norms, which we didn't and we did horrible at, by the way. That was part of my job. And what he says, he goes, of course, all Pashtuns sleep naked. And then it all connects. I'm like, wait a minute. So what you're telling me is when we go in at night and we kick in a door or blow up on a door and we go in and we do a grab of somebody, we're seeing their wife naked. He goes, yes, that's why we're so upset. And I just couldn't believe how easy this was, how simple and yet how profound it was. Because in Pashtun, in the Pashtun culture, if you see some another man's wife naked, it's it's like it's worse than it's the worst possible thing you can do. And it stains that household. So back to the household, right? So when we would do this, we would even though the there was a bad guy in the house, the household, the family was all stained by the fact that Americans infidels especially saw a man's wife naked and it just is something that stains it's the way they are it's it's the kind of a generational thing and it stains for generations so this is exactly when we put that into christ's flipping tables think about the impact of a man who is 
there, seen by all the followers as God's son, flips the table of the guy. That household, that family name is now stained for generations. The only way you can escape it is if they get up and they move to another village, to an unknown place and come in as unknowns. And that at that time, that's like us, it's like anybody here making a trip and settling into Moscow or something. So it's a, it's a significant event that kind of shows them, and I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that there's no way Jesus didn't know that. And that, that consequence was intentional to make a demonstration of his power of what he could do. We need to appreciate the context of things in a deeper level. And as we do, when we start to look at Scripture this way and we start to understand the cultural context under where things have been operating, we get a deeper and more profound insight into what Scripture is telling us. And it continues to unlock amazing things. And we begin to find a deeper passion in our pursuit of Jesus. We find a deeper passion in our pursuit of Father. And we become stronger and we become greater within the body of Christ. I think those things are, for me, those are what I pursue. You know, I've, I've read this one scripture so many times. Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Well, I don't know what there is to debate about that. It's red letter language. And I've had people suggest, it's like, no, that's not what it means. And it's like, okay, but that's what it says. And it makes people uncomfortable with the idea that we've been given authority. I think because what happens is so many, there's a very convenient approach in faith, in Christian faith, is that we've been saved. I need to go to church and get my weekly checkup to make sure that I'm I've repented and I'm, I'm, my salvation is still strong and I've checked that box and we're good to go. But that next step where we have to be accountable and we have to take responsibility in our lives is missing a lot from the church. And so it becomes an equation and so much of that is stemming from the fact that many of the churches are driven on the business of doing church. So these words are important to remember and I've gone through the five things that I've and I can go through them again tonight, but there is a sixth that's worth remembering. So the five things that I've gone through are we need to have a living, walking, breathing relationship with Jesus. We need to pray for President Trump to be a repenting president in Christ. That's two. Number three, we need to sow seeds physically and spiritually. Number four, we need to nurture our grandparents and our children, our parents and our children. As, as we were once nurtured, we need to nurture them. We need to reset the arc of life and strengthen the family. And number five, we need to heal First Nations and Last Nations because we're going to need each other to get through this next phase. That was the essence of my Paul Revere ride and still is, and it will be a message that I will continue to push aggressively as Father leads. But there's one other thing to keep in mind. The business of the church can grow to overshadow the love in Jesus. And that's so much the problem we deal with these days is that we're pursuing the love of Christ and to live through Christ and to walk with Christ. 
yet the business of the church, and whether that's the physical money business or it's the social dynamic business, the business of the church can grow to be greater than the love of the pursuit of Christ. That is where the tragedy and the disaster happens, where those four walls of the church become a cage and a trap rather than a a liberation through Jesus. All of us, in doing the things like getting our hands dirty, sowing seeds, in building our communities, in building home churches, these are things that are actively bringing God into our lives and our our families and our neighborhoods. And it's how we're going to rekindle this spark because the church at this point is deep within us. And again, you heard me praise Redeemer last night. There's others, other good churches out there. If you have one, go to it. There's great fellowship to be had. But at the end of the day, make sure that what you're doing is not just attending church, but that you're pursuing that loving, intimate, powerful, living, breathing, two-way conversation relationship with Jesus and through him to the Father. And that's very real. And it's there for everybody. All we have to do is seek it. These are amazing times. So much to see and so much clarity to have. And it's all there for us to to take and to be and to receive. And if we're ever in doubt, just ask Father, and those doors shall be open. Let's pray. Father, we are so humbled by all that you give and and just literally just in awe with what you've brought to us and how you continue to build and work within us. And Jesus, just thank you for being here and walking with us. And we just pray, Jesus, that you can just touch each one's heart and just give that spark, that excitement to to pursue you, to seek you, to talk to you. You've We've had a great conversation this whole trip, Jesus. And if there's something that I personally pray for, I just pray that each and every person that seeks you can have that intimate and loving and passionate and and at times goofy relationship with you, that we can accept that there's humor and not just all stoic and boring, which you're not. And just to seek that full compass, full scope relationship that just frees us, sets us away from the other side and gives us true eyes to see deep within all and the heart to seek you and seek Father relentlessly above all things. So, Jesus, that's my prayer for everybody tonight, to have that, to seek that, and most importantly, to seek that again, to ask for it, to reach for it, not to be shy, not to assume, not to be steered away, but to reach in and just ask, Jesus, Jesus, I want to love you Show me where I'm missing it. Show me how I can get deeper. Show, Teach me how to talk to you. Whatever it takes. So Jesus, we just pray that you give that gift to each and every person tonight. 
Thank you. Truly. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Christ, for all that you've done. You continue to do. Thank you for just being here, guiding us, letting us grow together, leading us, giving us the wisdom we need to get through these times. Bless us and guide us. In Christ's holy name, amen. A wonderful time to be alive. It truly is. So, seek Jesus. Seek Father. It truly is powerful times. Remember these words, two phrases for the tonight. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's John 14, 6. And then this one, which is one of my truly favorites. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. That's John 14, 12. And in a final verse tonight, which is, you've heard me say this probably a thousand times now, but it's so important. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. We are at the Valley of Decision, patriots. Choose to walk in it. Choose to seek the ancient paths. Choose to embrace Jesus. Choose Father. Choose love and choose life. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, thank you for coming to the late show tonight. Have a very blessed evening. See you tomorrow. Actually, Duncan will be doing Bended Knee tomorrow, and you'll hear me tomorrow for the evening shows. So until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest depth. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body.